Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, my guest is narrator Marcio Catalano. Welcome to the podcast, Marcio. How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. You're good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Hi, baby. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. Okay. Yep. I'm good. Okay. Good to hear. <laughs> we interrupt your normally scheduled episode because I wanted to let you know that this was a longer than usual recorded chat. As Marcy and I are friends and there was a lot of awesome things to discuss. We have a little over three hours of recorded conversation. We decided that instead of removing editing out part of our chat, we're going to share the entire thing over two separate episodes. We will try to release the episodes close to each other, pretty back to back. Also, in order to give you a true view of our conversation, editing will be kept to a minimum. Lastly, as our conversation did run long, we got together a different date to record the two truths and a lie segment, and the audio may sound a little different. Okay, I think that's it. So on with the show. So why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess starting at the beginning would be good, huh? I hear that's a good point. It's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> so how did I get started in audiobook specifically or just any voiceover well why don't you pick where you got started Wait, i mean why don't yeah why don't we do audiobooks because that's kind of like the purpose of this one uh, i've been doing audiobooks six years i had a friend bobby who had been doing it a year before he suggested i try it um I wasn't originally sure that I would want to do it because long form narration is super different than anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. So audiobooks, as you know, cause you're a listener and you enjoy audiobooks. It's, it's a, it's a marathon where everything else is in pieces, whether it's commercials or, you know, even if you're playing a video game or something like that, you've got cutscenes and they're very short um, or animation, but uh, yeah, audiobooks can go on for hours. So I was not too keen on that. I thought, Ugh. <laughs> oh, man, you know, that's you got to be good to talk for that long, to talk for that much and to say so much. So what long story short, I he was with an agency. They I, I auditioned. I was interested in doing like sci-fi and like mystery thrillers. And, you know, no guy wants to do romance. <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do some science fiction, you know, and uh, I auditioned and they, they said, good news, bad news. Good news is we could use you. Bad news is that um, you fit what you don't want to do or you fit you fit uh, what you want to do. You don't really fit uh, for us. I guess they I think they had that at the time, you know, what I mean, they had yeah. plenty of people doing those things. And, and also, I mean, it's still strangely, I, I don't know. It's just the, the general attitude still, it seems really strange is that people really do still want uh, more than half the time an English accent for science fiction. I don't know if it just lends 
more credibility to it because sci-fi is from England. Mm-hmm. So people are still ingrained in that. So they were like, no sci-fi for you. <laughs> if you will not talk dirty, you will not talk dirty or talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. So it became romance. It became romance. Yeah. I wasn't even trying to do audiobooks, and uh, it just happened. Mm-hmm. As all wonderful things happen in real life. Yeah, six years. Six years. Going on seven soon. So, Is yeah. that how, how you guys started as far as audiobooks in general? Are you doing it here only in the States, or do you do other stuff with voiceover? I got started here. So audiobooks in English in the States, you know, typical. You know, Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Barnes and Noble, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when I was, uh, because I've been living in China, or I was living in China, uh, half the time, the last uh, eight plus years, I was doing a lot of English stuff over there because in China, uh, English is the international language of business. A lot of people from, you know, different countries study in universities in Australia, New Zealand, UK, United States, Canada, and English, obviously. Um, and um, so there's a huge market over there for English content on Chinese websites and primarily apps. So it's a really big business. So if you are a native speaker and you have you have a decent voice and you can you know uh, you can do content, then uh, yeah, I've done like Jesus in China. I've done over four hundred fifty. 500 wow. books. Yeah, but they're different because here they're um so so here I do romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In China I do children's books. <laughs> <laughs> and I do tech stuff. So talk about Jekyll and Hyde, right? Right. I was going to say at least you get a break, you know, from both cases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like in America, I talk dirty to get you in the mood to have children. And then in China, I talk to children. <laughs> it's the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've been doing this for six plus years. Um, what has changed in your process, if anything, from when you started to now, as far as how you prep a book? Ooh, okay. Preparation wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually never thought about that. I don't know if preparation is interesting. I think it's probably, you probably know more than I do. Um, It's probably the same for most people. I mean, look, the most important thing for me is two things that are important. Number one, I have to read the story to understand, obviously, the story. But number two, what I think is equally as important, if not more, is the characters. Uh, Because everything that happens in the story is driven by who these people are. And uh, the, uh, the, sometimes the hardest thing to get people to do, and some authors are good at this and some don't have as much experience doing it, is giving a character breakdown. I'm used to this in film and TV. So the film and TV industry, that's a standard. And, there's, and, and they've been doing it for so long that they do it automatically. You don't really even have to tell anybody and you don't have to explain it. But in audiobooks, um, there have been times where I've gotten a character breakdown and it's a physical description. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, big and buff, mm-hmm. six foot four, doesn't take crap from anyone. 
low grumbly voice or brooding, you know? Mm-hmm. And I keep telling people that's a, that's a, that's a affectation. That's a superficial um, surface behavior that comes from what's going on inside of this person. And sometimes I feel like characters are treated. Um, yeah. I feel like sometimes they're treated like, um, like something gets lost in treating characters like characters where we don't look at them as people. And so they become these objects. And I think that's why sometimes uh, we're given these descriptions that don't help. It, it's hard to tell somebody, look, I know you gave me like a paragraph about your character. There's nothing I can use. <laughs> I know that sounds, and I hope that doesn't come across as being rude, but it, it's, it's a fact. And what I would say to somebody is, Every human being on earth does something for a reason. No one does something for no reason. And if you're creating characters, hopefully in your stories, and you're providing a description of who your characters are, that core has got to be there. And so for me, the character breakdown is the key because the, the story is the map and the characters are the vehicles for how we're going to maneuver that story. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. So I don't think that's different for probably any narrator. I mean, I, I haven't really even had a deep conversation about this with colleagues or anything, but I mean, um, I know in film and TV, that's certainly true, but I mean, I would imagine that that's the case for any actor, right? Cause you can't play someone that you don't understand. Look, you can't even connect to people that you don't understand. Right. Right. Like, why is your bestie your bestie? Why are your best friends or people that you you jibe, you know, with and 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 uh, I say jive with Jesus yes, what is the seventies <laughs> vibe? <laughs> I wanted to say like gel and vibe at the same time, and mm-hmm. you know, it's a hybrid word for. Um. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, why I mean, do you, why do you click with who you click with? Because you get them, and they get you. And I think that I don't care what you're doing. You're never going to be able to communicate something or someone that you don't understand. So for me, the character breakdown is key. And mm-hmm. it always seems to be the area that's always the lightest, you know, the, the area that people struggle to explain, you know, because I think people fall in love with dialogue. Mm-hmm. They, fall in love, they fall in love with scenes. Um, scenes that are dramatic where there's... Um, conflict and they fall in love with scenes that are steamy and they fall in love with detail describing a room describing how how uh ornate um and opulent his ceo penthouse or headquarters is right right but all of this stuff is window dressing to who your people are so for me give me the script let me go through it. Let me read it. Let me mark it up according to whatever I feel I need to understand about how I'm going to play that character or how, how the tone of the story, the feeling of the story. Mm-hmm. And then, but again, more importantly, who are these people? Because the, the person's going to tell me they're going to give you, um, they're going to inform you how you're going to play that. If you tell me he's an alpha, well, guess what? I already knew that. This is romance. I don't think you're drooling over a beta. So don't, t- don't tell me. I know it sounds stupid, but right? Right. Isn't it a given? Yeah, usually a romance is alpha. Don't, yeah. yeah, don't tell me he's an alpha. 
that's not useful unless he's not an alpha where you tell me this guy he second guesses himself and he has he's confident inside but then he trips himself up right like tell me tell me the stuff that is that i need to know mm-hmm. um don't tell me he's hot i already know that don't tell me he's sexy. Don't tell me he has a, a deep voice. I mean, come on. No one's hiring. No one's hiring someone to be like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to bend you over the table and give it to you. Who's your daddy? And then you're like, not you, because you sound like you're six. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I probably sound like I'm stating the obvious, but that's the that's the the uh, the strange thing about it is that I, f- I feel that sometimes we tend to overlook the basics right Mm -hmm. because everybody wants to get to advanced everybody wants to get to the steamy stuff or the more complex things and so we forget to root it right Mm -hmm. it it is like a plant or a tree right if you're looking at beautiful flowers and if you're looking at something that's six feet tall how are the roots doing right because if the plant looks beautiful but the roots are sick it's going to die in like a month Mm mm-hmm and it's the same with your story. If your characters are superficial, there's going to be nothing to anchor me to that story or to make me care about the characters, right? He's an asshole. Okay. Why should I read this story? Because if it's, if someone is just rude or cruel for the sake of that, and there's no depth, I'm not going to be invested, right? Mm-hmm. So this might be more than you asked for, but I think it's worth, you know, I, I think it's worth hammering home. <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Make your character breakdowns. Don't give me an age range. Don't say, oh, you know, he's like 28 to 35 years old or he's 36 years old. He's African-American. He's six foot four. He he rides a motorcycle. He's tough. He's got big muscles and he's fully tatted up. He's got big, you know, sleeves. I can't play that. I can't play six foot four. I can't play badass. Your interpretation of badass is not my interpretation of badass. And most people's interpretations of badasses are people who pretend to be tough which again usually comes from a weak person so don't tell me how tough he is show me what he's interested in what he doesn't care about what drives him tell me his fear tell me his traumas tell me what he longs for tell me what he wants and then tell me what he needs whether they're the same thing or whether they're opposite because sometimes they are and sometimes they're not right Mm-hmm. So give me a character. Give me a person, right? If you want me to play this person, give me a person. Don't give me a um internal like description. Real, yeah. Right, right. There's a human being, and then there's a cardboard rendition of a human being standing at, you know, Verizon, right? Welcome you in, you know, like like, hey, if you switch, we'll give you blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a cardboard cutout, right? Don't give me that. Mm-hmm. That looks like a person, but it's not a person. You can't play that. So yeah, I think with audiobooks, it's been kind of interesting and it's still technically so new for the authors to be significantly more involved in the process usually with the publishing houses once they buy the rights they take on everything and don't even include the author on in the casting process let alone providing the narrators with any additional information except for he has a russian accent um and so now that we're the authors are significantly more involved including producing and you know publishing the books themselves they're starting to learn what information is needed for you guys to be able to perform 
at the best to provide that voice that is believable for that character. And so it's good to have that conversation with them and let them know what you need. Always, always. It's, it's, it's great because it is your responsibility as the narrator or the person who's bringing the story to life to educate or inform the author of the things that they may not know because you're helping the whole process go more seamless, mm -hmm. right? And you're just telling them, hey, I'm going to do this job. And to do this job, I need these few things. And I, I think the way that they take it is, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for letting me know. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known if you didn't tell me, right? Yeah. And they and they appreciate that because they can tell that you're involved, that you're trying, you know, very hard to to make it as good as it can be. Mm -hmm. Right. That you're that you're you're invested. You're not just like, all right, give me this stuff. Sure, that's good enough. Uh, you know, I'll send you the files. Um because <laughs> when you take the time to ask people what they mean by something, or you take the time to confirm something, right? Because mm -hmm. you want to double check. You know, because it's all about communication. It's all about, let me understand where you're coming from. Let me understand what you're trying to do here. Who's this person? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes it's very clear. You know, sometimes it's like, that's a secondary character. They're an alien. They're coming in. Their whole purpose is to come in and just like destroy all the stuff and the hero defeats them. Okay, that's that's one track mind. That's very easy. Um, there's nothing complex about that. It's very, you know, it's very uh, one note and you need that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of it together creates the the piece. Yeah. But I I like to talk to the authors about stuff, and I always before I start, I always tell them, "Hey, uh, give me a character breakdown. Tell me, don't tell me uh, the age, uh, their nationality, ethnicity, um, the way they talk. Uh, I, I'm gonna get that by what you wrote, right? Um." Let me know the key components of this person, the main characters, supporting characters. Let me know any made-up worlds, artifacts, uh, races, um, anything that you created that I cannot find online that might be hard to pronounce. Um, or if there's something in your book that uh, you either made up or is real that you don't delve deep into in your story, Give me a little bit of backstory on that just in case that way when I'm reading. It's one of those things where if you're if you're writing or if you're reading something, even though you may not explain to the audience something, you have to know. As a writer, I might be telling you a story. And I may not give you the entire backstory. I might just give you enough to know as the audience to follow the story. But I still have to know more as the writer, right? Because you're editing from. You want to fully understand what you're saying and then cherry pick what is needed for the story, not a Wikipedia page, right? Because mm -hmm. that's not storytelling. That's just an information. So, yeah. yeah. And it also helps, I'm sure, to know that if this is the best friend of the hero, but he will eventually have his own book later down the line. Oh, super important. Like, I, I oh, gosh, this is so funny. I don't know if I ever told, <laughs> don't know if I ever told you this one. I, one of the first three books I ever did, and I was so green because I just didn't have, you know, you said, what has changed over the years? And I'm like, oh man, you know, tri <laughs> trial and error really teaches you what not to do next time. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the very first three books I did, I think it was book number three. Um, I, I don't know exactly what happened. It was so long ago, it was six years ago. 
But basically, I had assigned a really good voice to what I thought was the main character because they were twin brothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, they were twin brothers. And so that you, right there, you know that there's going to be similarities and there's going to be differences. So I gave them this great signature voice and then they knock them off in chapter three. So, so then I spent the rest of the book doing a secondary character's voice as the main character, which if I had known better, I could have assigned that voice to the character that was going to do most of the speaking in the story. Mm. And, and, and again, I didn't get a character breakdown. Mm -hmm. Right. And I didn't read all of it. Um, which is a mistake. Right. Yeah. We learn. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the universe telling you don't do that again. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's happened too. Where as listeners, we love these secondary characters, the best friend, or even that enemy that will eventually get redeemed. But because they're just so pops in, pops out, you just give them a voice because you can also your range is only so so much that you can give all these different characters different voices. And I can imagine it must be very uncomfortable to give them this really harsh kind of a voice and then have them be the main character book seven and you're going fuck <laughs> i can't carry that for that long of a time well it's really tough when um when you do a series a long series of let's say five or more books mm -hmm. let's say it's five to nine books and it gets really complicated when they're related oh yeah or if they're related and they are of a particular ethnicity and or race because culture um culture has habits right yes ingrained mm -hmm. that you can't get away from um so then you have to play within the ballpark but it can't be the same right so it's like we're in this ballpark but i need to do first base second base third base shortstop left field right field center field dh catcher right mm -hmm. um it's it's within that that uh arena but it, so there's got to be things that tie them together but they have to be distinct enough and, and it's really tough when that author says i don't want any of those characters to sound weak <laughs> <laughs> and what they mean is like i want all of them to have deep voices and i'm like that works when it's different people but what do you do? You're like, okay, well, I can do my voice, right? My voice has uh, some bass to it, right? Um, so, you know, I can do this voice. And then, of course, you can change it. You can change the speed. You can change the pronunciation. And you can drop that. Of course, you can add some form of impediment or some kind of affectation to it, right? And now you've got a third version. And then, of course, you can go more adenoidal and still make it deep, but bring it higher up, right? But then what's happening is you're, you're doing the same voice or you're doing the same core of the voice, but you're having to branch it off, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, that's your job, right? That's your job. But um, it's not as if when the voices are very distinctly different, they're easier to keep separate. Does that make sense? Yes. Because, you know... When it's a sliver off, it's more precise. And so you have to come back and find that. 
it's harder to match that exact dial in. So yeah, but Hey, it's a challenge and yeah, I like doing deep voices. <laughs> I'm not trying to do, you know, Hey, Viviana, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I bet you've been busy being, being hot. Oh, no, so I don't want to, <laughs> right? I don't want to do eight hours of that. <laughs> Not right. if we're doing romance. No, I mean, that's more of a animation kind of a thing. <laughs> that's, that's like lowmance. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the downtrodden lover. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like any rituals before you get into the booth to start recording? Uh, I know sometimes there's warm-ups mm. and things like, you know, vocal training and stuff like that. What have you found that works for you? Oh yeah, two things. And I don't mind sharing with people because people share it with me. Um, the two things that work for me that are so simple and they really work well for me personally. And I think, I think for a lot of narrators, I brush my teeth. I know that sounds funny because, well, I mean, your mouth has to be clean. If you've mm -hmm. got, if you've had coffee, which besides stimulating you with caffeine, um, if you, if you've got anything in your mouth, it's going to get in the way. Obviously that's like a one-on-one rule. Uh, the other thing too, is I think that we tend to be mush mouth as a culture, because we really, we really don't open up our mouths to communicate. We, we just kind of make the minimum effort. And if you pay attention to folks long enough, you'll, you'll hear it because articulation comes from opening your mouth, right? And lack of clarity comes from not opening your mouth enough. No pun intended, <laughs> but you put a pencil in your mouth. If you ever feel stuck and you feel like you can't articulate it, uh, in fact, let's do it now. Should we do it? Sure. This is a this is a really simple trick that my old voice teacher taught me, and he was also a speech pathologist. Uh, let me grab a pencil. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. I had to find something to read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read. Okay, you know what? I got some chocolates in my booth here. Oh, okay. I've got I've got Trader Joe's dark chocolate sea salt caramels, and for anybody listening, they're they're fantastic. So get them. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this right now. I'm going to read the, the box. And I'm going to do it right now. I, I haven't prepped at all today. Uh, I haven't recorded at all today. So my, my mouth is mush mouth right now. So I'm going to read this normal. Trader Joe's dark chocolate, sea salt caramels, buttery smooth caramels drenched in Belgian chocolate, then sprinkled with crunchy rock salt from the Dead Sea. Now, I'm going to put this pen in my mouth. And I'll read it again. It's so funny because <laughs> my tongue has to fight. Okay. My tongue has to fight over and under the pen. Mm -hmm. So it stretches your tongue and it stretches your lips. You understand? It's just, it's like literally stretching in the gym. So now I'm going to read this. It's going to sound terrible. Trader Joe's dark chocolate, sea salt caramels, buttery smooth caramels drenched in Belgian chocolate. Then sprinkled with crunchy rock salt from the Dead Sea. I'm gonna read it again because I'm stretching my mouth out. Trader Joe's dark chocolate, sea salt caramels, buttery smooth caramels, drenched in Belgian chocolate, then sprinkled with crunchy rock salt from the Dead Sea. 
Now, if I take my, my pen away, can you hear the difference? Yeah. Can you hear the articulation? Now watch this. I'll read faster and I'll be clear. Trader Joe's dark chocolate sea salt caramels, buttery smooth caramels drenched in Belgian chocolate and sprinkled with crunchy rock salt from the Dead Sea. Now, that was a lot more articulated. And it was clear. Hmm. And now I'm resonating more. It's it not only is, is it your diaphragm, but it's also your mouth, how how you have to stretch. You go to the gym, you got to stretch. If you don't stretch, you're going to pull something. Mm -hmm. Right? You're not going to be warmed up. You're not going to be primed. Same with your mouth. It's it's like so basic and so uninteresting and so not amazing. <laughs> and yet it absolutely works. No one thinks water is fascinating, but yet 75% of your body, two-thirds of the earth. And if you don't have it, you'll die. Right? Everybody wants soda. Everybody wants a drink. Everybody wants a beer. Water. I want to do a great performance. Stretch your mouth. Get a pencil. Stick it in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Stick it in your mouth, baby. If you don't, <laughs> check it out. Check it out. If you don't know what to say, stick it in your mouth. <laughs> so there you go. Yep. My two rituals keep your mouth clean and, and just, you know, warm it up. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go. don't, people don't tend to think that our mouth and our tongue are like muscles that we would have to warm up when we're doing things like speeches or recording or even this podcast, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, I think we just overlook it and don't even consider it a muscle, but you're right. It is. Yeah. It's uh we take it for granted, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your biggest muscles on your body or your legs and your longest muscles your tongue hmm. yeah your quads are your largest muscle group but your tongue is the longest and uh the clarity of the way that you speak has to do yeah with habits but i mean we, you know we all wake up we all wake up and we're like uh good morning you know we all uh -huh. sound like that nobody wakes up and is like hi good morning <laughs> <laughs> today no. today is tuesday the 19th it's going to be fantastic and nobody does that right no i've uh, had to tell people like sorry you're getting my morning voice <laughs> right and that's because every part of our body needs to be warmed up so the mouth is the the, the tongue and the the mouth the lips are the same so yeah i don't think that is a you know i don't have any super secrets mm -hmm. but i just have like simple things that work yeah you know Cool. And now a lot of people sometimes will do like different teas or they'll do some, you know, that vocal oh, stuff. Oh, there's so exercises. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do that. I go, and while I'm doing that, I'm actually like making my mouth go like, oh, a, e, I, you know, right? You can go through that because you're going through all the vowels and then you're stretching your lips. So, you're creating sound and you're also moving your mouth, but whatever, whatever, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. Oh yeah. If it's a poem, if it's a limerick, right. Yeah. If it's an article, whatever, whatever gets, whatever wakes you up and the same thing doesn't work each and every time. So sometimes you have to mix it up. So. 
because yeah, the thing too with the amount of time that sometimes people spend in the booth it could also get boring for you to have to say the same thing over and over as a warm-up exercise i mean even when you're working out you like to change up the routines so you don't get bored so yeah sure mm-hmm. yeah. you ever bust out with uh no i don't do any stuff in spanish it's all in english i don't do any hispanic stuff when i am preparing for to talk dirty Mm. I don't like talking dirty in Spanish. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Is that weird? It, well, yeah, a little. I think sometimes. Also, people... I wasn't taught. Like you know, growing up, I didn't learn a lot of Spanish naughty stuff. Obviously, I know all the English naughty stuff. <laughs> but so that that's probably why too, because I'm way better at it in English than Spanish. Because mm-hmm. like, if I'm saying it in Spanish, I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. It's like, I feel like I'm talking to my family. Yeah, Um, that would be awkward (laughs) yeah subconscious big subconscious no yeah well i think a lot of people tend to um i know that we were just you know catching up and stuff like that but a lot of people tend to think that your background is specifically italian which it is but they don't really know that you are actually latino this is true Mm -hmm. do you want to tell us a little bit about that sure so i was not born in America, I was born in South America, Argentina, in the city of Rosario. And my my parents came, well, we left Argentina when I was right before three. We hopped over to the island of Puerto Rico for about a year. And then we hopped over to Pasadena, California. And that's how that's where we landed when we get when we got to America. Um, my mom is Argentine. My dad in in his whole my dad's side of the family is Italian. My mom's side of the family is Argentine. Except my mom's grandma is Italian. So the common tongue that my parents spoke at home was Spanish. And they agreed that their children should be bilingual. And that was the one that obviously my mom didn't speak Italian. So there you go. My dad spoke Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. He lived in Brazil for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't learn Italian. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, if you're Argentine, like my name is Marcio Catalano. Mm-hmm. And my mom's name is Stella, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means star in Italian. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're from Argentina, you're either, you know, Italian um Spaniard and then there's a small influx of German somewhere there yeah and so you're European based heavily and um but Argentine Spanish is probably the closest Spanish and Italian are the closest two languages mm-hmm. period and then Argentine Spanish in particular is the the rhythm is very close to Italian so if you're going to learn Italian and you're Argentine, that's the way to go. Bonus. And you can, and, and you can understand. <laughs> you can understand. It makes sense. I mean, uh, you catch it. You know, I speak some. Um, but because I'm Argentine, when I have done Italian, and I've done Italian, I did Italian over in China for, uh, I've done for a couple projects, a couple of e-commerce projects, a couple tech things, a pianist, a, a mid-level pianist in in Shenzhen, China. I did uh, some tutorials 
And he wanted someone who can pronounce the Italian terms perfectly because um, Chinese people who speak Mandarin have a hard time pronouncing the, the uh, classical music and operatic terms, which are obviously in Italian, German, and is it French? I think so. Yeah. So I've had to do them. And so it's easy, mm-hmm. you know, you're, 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 you know, cause you know, this, every Latino sounds different depending on what culture you're from. Cause uh, someone who's Cuban does not sound the same as someone from Peru does not sound the same as someone from Spain does not sound the same as someone from Mexico. Mm-hmm. It is, it is like America where if you're a New Yorker, you don't sound like someone from Boston, right? Yeah. And someone from Jersey doesn't sound just like those two and someone from certain parts of Texas don't sound like somebody from Atlanta or someone from SoCal or Seattle. Right. Yeah. Even the or, South, you know, when it comes down to Georgia and like North Carolina. Oh God. Worse. Even worse. <laughs> you get into Tennessee, Alabama, South yeah. Dakota, Missouri. I mean, it, it just gets complex. And even within those States you get, I mean, colloquial, right? Yes, so, exactly. And that's the same and, thing with the, the Latin, you know, countries and stuff like that the, the word straw can in spanish can mean three or four different things um, right. and get you in trouble <laughs> absolutely what might be mid-tier harmless in one latino culture could be one of the worst words in another one so you got to be you got to be careful mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. i am both actually so yeah. if people ask me what are you i look at them and i'm like fucking human just kidding no um <laughs> And that's a lie. I'm just kidding. Atlantean. No. Um, <laughs> um, just visiting. No. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm both. Mm-hmm. I'm all I'm all three. I'm all three. Yeah. Because you I'm came here three. when you were really young, too. Yeah, so. And I, I identify. I identify. I mean, I can't get rid of the Latino part of me. But I, I, I lean more into my Italian side. Yeah. You know, and then I grew up in America. So I'm Americanized, you know. I think like so many of us, right? We're an amalgamation of things. And um, and it's that's kind of cool because you're informed in a different way than someone who has had one slice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you've only grown up in one country with one culture, you're limited, period. I don't care what country you're from or what culture you're from. Um, you can expand that uh, by traveling so that you can see that the rest of the world's not like you. You're not right. <laughs> if you think you're right, um, yeah, travel. You're going to be challenged. Your beliefs are going to be challenged. But if you're bilingual, uh, uh, you know, anything, bilingual, anything, um, Asian American, Latino American, Indian American, you know, Filipino American, uh, Pacific Islander, you're going to have a different culture and it's going to inform you in a different way. And I think you're more versatile. You, you can see more, you just have a bigger spectrum, right? Do you ever yeah. catch yourself like getting stuck on a word, even though you're in English and it just pops in a Spanish or Italian sometimes or anything like okay, that? Okay. So, <laughs> okay, that's that's interesting. No, no. But you know what happens? Okay. When I get pissed off, mm-hmm. when I actually get angry, I go straight to Spanish. 
Mm. If I get really angry in life, if I've ever lost control, it goes straight into Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Does your Argentinian accent come out though? Depends who I'm talking to. Okay. Because in, in California, mm-hmm. I'm so predominantly it's Mexican. Yeah. We're right next to Mexico. So we have a lot of uh, Mexican people, Mexican American or Chicano. So I go neutral. Because, you know, if I, if I give them too much Argentine slang, they're going to be like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there was one time I think I was like, ooh, the, the Argentinian, just the accent, the, the little singing songy kind of thing came out. I was like, oh, okay. And then you're talking about food and you're, you're, you're naming all these pasta. And then all of a sudden the Italian accent comes through. And I'm like, you say that again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just well, to hear it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, what I've always been, something that I've keyed in on that I've noticed about languages is the cultural behavior when you speak really assists what you're saying. Okay. I guess I'll use China as an example. So when I'm in the States, I'm myself. When I'm in China, which by the way, I've spent the last almost nine years there living part-time um, my, there are certain behaviors that I accentuate and certain behaviors I minimize and certain behaviors I've adopted. The reason being is because different cultures understand differently. And if you bring your understanding of your behavior, which is only here, there, they don't understand. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was in a subway one time and somebody came in and he was an American and he was, um, he was just ordering a sandwich, but as Americans, we tend to be very verbose, right? We, we have kind of a, you know, we talk too much. <laughs> so he comes in and he's like, Oh uh, yeah. Hi. Um, um, I'll just make this up, but you know, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase what I remember. Um, yeah. Hi. Um, let, let me see. Let me get a, let me get, um, I'll take a six inch on white. Um, how about, oh, you know what? Uh, let me get some peppers. No, not, not too much of those onions. Now, what's happening is you're talking to someone whose language, whose English language is secondary. You've just muddied it. Yeah. Let me, let me get, uh, first of all, it's not proper English. Anybody around the world learning English is not going to learn, let me get a. Uh, because let me get means one thing. Can I have? So she was struggling to understand him. And I popped up and I said, Hey, uh, I hope you don't mind. Um, Keep it simple. Because if you talk like you're talking to someone from your country, they're not going to understand you. You have to take it into consideration the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, If they talk to you in Mandarin, the way that when you're learning, you won't get them. It'll be too advanced for you. So have consideration. I said, tell her, yes. Don't say, uh uh-huh. Don't say, you know, "Mm," or yes. Yes is clear universally. Yes. This one, white. Okay. This one, you know, keep it simple and she'll be able to follow because she didn't speak English, you know, barely. Yeah. And so, so what happens is that we tend to do that. Like, um, what was my point with that? Where to go with that? 
<laughs> oh, about the different accents. It was just and... on my mind. Oh, right, right. It, what's interesting about accents is, okay, and that's tied to the fact that I, I made those early observations. And then what happened is it started to inform my behavior. So I will be with, uh, an, an, you know, an older person, an elder person, mm-hmm. and I'll be listening. It's really important to listen in China. So you have to shut your mouth. You'll be tempted as an American to talk too much. You should shut up and listen. And then a behavior is, mm, mm. someone's talking to you. They're telling you something. Mm, mm. Now they don't do, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, right. They don't do that. They go, mm, mm, mm. this is their acknowledgement. It's different than ours. So I started to adopt that. And then after a few years, my friends would be like, man, you're taking on some Chinese behaviors. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it helps to, if I'm meeting with someone and I'm trying to, you know, bridge something, right? I'm trying to connect. If I mirror your behavior, first of all, if I understand your behavior, and why you're doing that, then I know you better or know your culture better. Then if I adopt some of that and experience it through my body, I understand it better. And then if I'm doing that, which you're already familiar with, then it'll help us communicate a bit more clearly. Right? Yeah, it's the same thing when we are Spanish, you know, we're trying to learn Spanish. Yeah, Yeah, my, my behavior is totally different in Spanish than English. I mean, you know, and I think even in English, I'm super intense. Right. Because Americans are very like, yeah, you know, (laughs) they speak from their (laughs) neck up and they're easygoing. And I'm like, you know, my intensity level is to a 10, you know, and you can tell you can tell like, oh, he's not American, you know, (laughs) hybrid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, it's like he speaks a language, but his behavior is super, super, you know. He leans in more. He's more aggressive. He gets more passionate about what he says. You know, he's mm-hmm. more e- yeah. quickly, quickly to get excited, quickly to give his opinion. And it's like, well, that's Latin, mm-hmm. right? Opinionated, yep. passionate, <laughs> strong-willed. You know, fight for what you believe in. That's like the default. You know. Mm-hmm. So, then get you started on Italian food, and you're going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Italian food. <laughs> Manja, manja che te fa bene. See, Italian sounds just like Spanish. Come. Come que te conviene, right? Come, mm-hmm. eat in Spanish. Que te conviene. Que it's, it's good for you, right? Or it's, mm-hmm. it's, it will benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. Italian, manja, manja. Que te fa bene. Que, you know, what mm-hmm. is. Que te fa bene. Fa bene. It benefits you. Mm-hmm. Eat, eat. It will benefit you. Okay. <laughs> So it's the same. It's it's no different. Yeah, it was uh, interesting that day that we were talking and you started busting out the different pastas and you just went full on Italian accents as you were saying the the different types of pastas that they were the varieties and I'm going. I can, yeah, I cannot stand <laughs> saying Italian things with an English accent. I mean, imagine if I did this, and and I'm not making fun of anybody. So please, nobody be offended. And if you are offended, remember you are American, and you do not speak Spanish. So get over it. Uh, <laughs> Hey, por favor, can I have a cerveza? Now, if you're not a native speaker, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You're doing the best you can, right? I'm definitely not making fun of anybody. But that would be a crime if I could pronounce the words and, and did that, if I was lazy, right? So 
It's got to be, you, you have to lean into it. You got to lean into the culture. Every culture has a behavior. Watch Turkish people, watch people from India, you know, watch, there's a difference between people who are African-American and from Africa, from South Africa, from Nigeria, right? Yeah. From Ghana is different. I have friends who are African overseas and their behavior is completely different than an African-American person, right? Because of course, an African-American person is American. So they've taken on the American behavior, just slightly different to the specific culture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just the language. People think it's language, right? Language is one element. Language is just the language. Mm -hmm. Each culture has a behavior. Yeah. And when you mix the two, that's what you get, you know? Mm -hmm. You get a you get a more uh, authentic person. Because if you just, again, like the example of, hey, can I have a cerveza? Well, that's Spanish, right? But does it feel Spanish? No. So it's behavior and language combined to make mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. So. So when it comes down to the audiobook world and these characters that have different backgrounds and, you know, they're always trying to put something like a sexy spin to it and they're like, oh, accents are sexy. But you don't do a whole lot of accent work. Do you have a favorite accent that you do like to perform? Yeah, I don't do a lot of accents. Uh, I strangely, and I've never seen this yet. <laughs> I don't know why I am the per the most, I don't know how to say this. I am the person who is the most this. Boy, I just went really Spanish structure there in English. Yeah, you did. <laughs> what the hell? Man. <clears throat> so accents are my weakness, unless they're the ones that I do well and i think a lot of people i know do uh accents better than i do but i have a huge range for characters so accents is one thing right and characters are another so the characterizations are different uh you can have a character who does not have an accent mm -hmm. or you can have an accent for a character right yeah so i don't do you know the british the scottish the irish the uh, you know, whatever, not me. I'm primarily just a neutral American tone. So the Southern California American neutral tone, which is used for TV and radio, boom. All right, we're good. I can do that. And I can do uh, some variations of Latinos. Um, and I can do Italian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've tried a Southern drawl. I think I did okay. <laughs> I have Russian coming up and I have luckily a friend, a friend from Russia and the Ukraine mm -hmm. who will be helping me. And I've had a little bit of coaching before for a TV show I did in Hong Kong where I literally in China, it's really funny, especially if, if you're, if you're not Chinese or if you're not Asian, you're the other white meat. So like <laughs> they will cast someone like me, like in America, you'd be like, okay, he's definitely not British. He's definitely not Russian. He's not French. He's not German. In Asia? Oh, yes, yes, you're white. You can be British. You can be Scottish. You can be French. You can be Australian. You can be Canadian. Uh, so I've had people 
help me with uh, those accents <laughs> when you've got five lines or, or something like that. Um, so I have an upcoming one that's going to be Russian. Let's see how I do. Yeah, I'll have to add that to our list of uh, books to duh. listen to. Yeah. <laughs> duh, oh, duh. Duh, let's see how I do. the Russian is hopefully going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. And within romance, there are a lot of subgenres. So romance is almost like an umbrella term with all the subgenres underneath it. So, you know, you have paranormal, we have mafia, and you know, romantic comedies and things like that. What is your favorite subgenre of romance to perform? My favorite, my favorite, my personal favorite, because I just think it's so much fun, is rom com. But I don't get a lot of that. Um, what I'm best at is dark romance. So does that answer the question? Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, because what you like isn't, um, it's always a tough one when what you like is not what you're best suited for. I don't know if I'm not suited for rom-com, but I know that I am most definitely suited for Anything that is villainous. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, it does. I just wonder sometimes if it's one of those because of the voice range or something else that's why there. That, why that is? Yeah, oh. that, why that is. I, it, it, because I think, well, look, I think, let me ask you, when you meet people and you talk to them, do you get a feeling off, folks? Yeah, I do. Right. Whoever you are as a person, that's going to shine through. It radiates. You can't hide it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and especially if you try to hide it, <laughs> it's even more pronounced, right? Um, you are who you are. And in casting, in general casting, not, not just audio books, but, you know, I'm talking about film and television because that's kind of my background way before audio books. Um, in casting for acting, the, the best idea, if you're casting people is you want to bring in the authentic person. If there's a, you know, if there's a role and you're seeing 35 actors for it, you're going to try to snag the best one. But if somebody comes in and they are that thing, they ain't acting, right? You just Mm -hmm. let them go. So I think you're going to, your strongest suit is always going to be what you are because you're communicating something and you're going to, you're going to always communicate what you understand best. So if you're playing a role and that role is something I don't, you know, it's, it's so far away from me that I have to think about it and stretch myself out. It's going to be a challenge and challenges are good, but you don't inherently understand it as well as something that you do know, right? Mm, that's true. So if you're if you're gonna do a British voice or excuse me, British English, <laughs> if you're gonna yeah, I hate English. <laughs> if you're gonna hire someone to do an authentic English voice, you can hire uh, an American who does an English accent. You're better off hiring an English actor, right? Mm-hmm. One's the real deal, one is not. Now. Barring performance, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, you should hire the best person for the job. 
whoever sounds best. But most often, right, or more often than not, the person who is that thing is always going to be the best version of that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't bring me in to play the boy next door. That's not me. <laughs> don't bring me in to be like, you know, hi, I'm um, Jared down from IT. Or, hey, Viviana, uh, um, I was just wondering if you could, uh, sure, anyway, are you going to finish eating that or what? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So don't bring me in to do that. I can do that, but that's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me break out the big guns. So if you want someone who will dominate <laughs> and terrorize you <laughs> and have fun doing it mm-hmm. and mean it you know because some people pretend to be bad and some people are <laughs> it's in your disposition right yeah but i mean from what i've known of you and stuff that you can be very mm-hmm. funny so being kind of interesting to see love, you do some rom some rom-com i would love to you know i just keep getting typecast people are like oh you're gonna play the italian guy you're gonna play the latin guy you're gonna play the asshole you're gonna play the omega verse demon alpha who runs the city or you know and i'm like all right <laughs> and sure <laughs> i'm like can can i can I play the accountant? Can I play, you know, can I play the, I don't know. I, you know, typecasting, I, it's, it's funny because typecasting is a blessing. I'll tell you why. I think most, what's been your experience on typecasting? Do people hate typecasting from what you've heard in this world? Most people, oh, I wish they wouldn't typecast me or why do people think they know me? Yeah, I think it's just like with anything, it's a, you know, being kept in a box isn't always something that you, you want to be able to stretch out and try something new. But if you're always cast for the same role over and over and over again, even if you're really good at it, it's, you know, you're Mm -hmm. like, I want to try something new and different. So so I think of typecasting as a blessing and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. It means that you are so clearly perfect for something that you have a specialty. Mm. And that's a great foundation. And when you build that body of work up and you have an extensive portfolio of that thing, when you're that guy or that gal, right, that does that thing, mm-hmm. when you're known as that, that guy, people trust you and they come to you for that specialty. And then you can say to people when you've built those relationships, hey, I'm going to try this. So I, I don't have, I don't fight that. I don't, I don't think I fight that as much as other people do. Hmm? Right. Yeah. Plus you have fun with it. So, <laughs> well, I like, I, I think it comes down to, I like, I don't, like, I don't mean to sound weird, but I like me. I don't want to be somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and the other thing too, is I can't be, I can't be somebody else. So what's the point? Right. Mm-hmm. I could want to be better. I could want to learn from someone else. I could see someone and say, I wish I was more like that. But we're talking about an element or a behavior, right? That can be learned, a habit that can be reinforced. But I don't want to be somebody else. I don't want to have their experience. I'm having my own, right? You can put on that armor. You can add to that tool belt, right? Mm-hmm. Be your own superhero. And if you want that special power, if you want that gear, go get it, right? You don't got to be that superhero. You can be your own superhero. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm good with it. I'm good with what I ever am. You know, if people, I don't know how people view me, but um, I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you try to get people to see you a different way, uh, you might fool some folks for a while, but eventually, you know, mm-hmm. that's a hard job to keep up, right? It's exhausting. Yeah. So you got to get good with being yourself. My, my acting teacher, who I loved dearly, who changed my life, he said, he said one of the most beautiful things I ever heard. He said, and he was talking to us on a night that was very hard. You know, there's, um, we were all struggling with the work. I went to acting school in Seattle and did theater and indie films before I moved to LA. And, you know, some nights are just off. Everybody's kind of off, right? Preparation's not good. Scenes aren't any good. People are feeling down. There's, you know, every class, just like every performance of an audience is different, right? There's different mm-hmm. energy. And he said, look, guys, I might end up actually imitating him. When you go up there, <laughs> you may not feel good about yourself, but there's nothing you can do about it. You are who you are. That's good enough. You bring that with you to the experience. Your insecurity, your confidence, your shame, your joy. And you have to go up and act in spite of it. Right? Mm -hmm. And what he was trying to tell us was that it's easier to accept who you are than to contort yourself into what you think you should be which you know is inauthentic and most likely people will be able to see through and not accept anyways. So it's futile. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That which is uncomfortable is always the scene. People watch drama. They don't go to see. Nobody goes to see people feeling comfortable. I watched a movie. How was it? Yeah, everything was great. Nothing happened in the story. Everybody got what they wanted. No <laughs> one suffered. Nobody yelled or fought. No one had their heart broken. Everybody was joyful. It was like a two hour, you know, it was like heaven for two hours. It's like, what's the point? Right. My writing teacher used to say something awesome. Nobody wants to see the rich guy win the lottery. <laughs> right. That is true. <laughs> but how telling is that? Mm-hmm. How telling is that about our humanity? Right. So you have to be okay with yourself because if you are not, you're going to have a very, very lonely life. Because what will happen is you will not be happy with yourself. You'll believe other people will not accept you. So there'll be no place for you in this world. And you'll have created that, that spot. It's a horrible way to live. Does that make sense? No, yeah, definitely. It's um, I know that sometimes people fight with that typecasting thing, but if this is your niche and that's where you feel comfortable, then that's totally okay. You know, play it, play, play the, it, own play it, typeca- own it. it they, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Don't throw it away. I mm-hmm. see you as a blah blah blah. All right, cool. Where do I sign <laughs> up? Yo, you paying me for this? Wait, 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 wait. You paying me to be me? best job in the world (laughs) right and you can go you can go other places from there Mm -hmm. right you don't got to do it all today Mm -hmm. you'll get there but just 
build that foundation. Right? Yeah. Just know who you are so you can know what you can be. Right? That's okay. You were talking about scenes and, you know, different kind of in, in stories and stuff like that. But do you have a favorite type of scene to do in audiobooks when it comes down to that, you know, the, the drama, the angst, the romance, the sex? I mean, what's your favorite? Hmm. I, I think every actor is going to say that they want to play something where they're conflicted. And uh, it doesn't, it doesn't depend on detail. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what character you are, like the gender, the, the, um, the class as an economic class or status. Mm -hmm. What matters is the, is the dynamic because as an actor, you want to feel right. Mm -hmm. I want to feel something. I want to feel elation. I want to feel pain. I, I want to know I'm alive and I want to know, I want to know that I'm connected to everyone on earth because regardless of the differences that we all have, mm -hmm. that's the one thing we share is the human experience. That's universal. For me, I am no more challenged than when I love someone and they have hurt me and I have to decide if I'm going to hurt them. Or forgive. I think this is the paramount scene for me. Is that clear? Yeah. Someone that, and it's even worse when they didn't intend to. Because I think that the majority of the time when we hurt each other, that was never the intent. Especially when someone loved you, when they're your brother, or they're your uncle, or a cousin, or your partner. It hurts most when it's someone that you care about, your inner circle. Because if it's some, you know, if it's a stranger, it's like psh, bounce right off, right? Tough love. Yeah. Yeah. When you've been betrayed by someone you trust and you admire and respect or you love, this hurts. And you have to, you have to decide to, um, how are you going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Because our love for another person causes us to disrespect ourselves sometimes. And then um, we have to do the thing that we don't want to do because we love someone, want to be close. We have to respect ourselves and take a step back to take inventory of what's going on, to calculate and make a better decision so that that doesn't repeat. Whether that what they did was intentional or not, because again, it can or cannot be right. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was, maybe people hurt each other all the time. They don't even know, right? Lack of communication. Usually lack of trust is because of lack of, lack of communication, but also because of betrayal, dishonesty. And dishonesty comes in many forms. It comes in uh, lying to your face and it comes in, I didn't tell you something. I didn't lie to you, but I didn't tell you something that's critical that changes the dynamic. And so for me, the, you know, that's it. We're fighting for something, fighting for something that you've been told you can't have. Whether that be, you're not good enough. You could never do that. You can never achieve that. Or this is not available. 
but for you, it's a, it's a lifeline, right? I need that. And for whatever reasons, let's say they're just coincidental, right? They're, they're circumstance. Mm-hmm. I need this. Right. Um, I need this operation for my child. Okay. But I don't have the money. Right. I think often it's simple. Right. I think the best stuff is simple. So conflict, but not just empty conflict, because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in film and TV. Um, Most people understand drama to be just conflict. You know, they get get as far as that sentence like, oh, great drama is conflict. I'm like, no, it's not. Because if you're just conflicting and you're fighting and it's devoid of any meaning or layers or any, you know, any depth, then it's just superficial, right? If you're yelling at me and I'm yelling at you, but it's it's not about anything that is greater than the both of us, then it's not going to lead to anything, right? So it's got to be something where you need what you need, I need what I need, but it's we're just happening to be clashing. So yeah, heartbreak is good. You know, I love you. I love you, but you betrayed me. I don't trust you. Now you're bitter with me. I am bitter with you. We're both guarded, but we have to work through this because if we don't, we're going to burn the whole place down. I think everybody understands that. So, and if there's an element of, you know, um, power involved or <laughs> narcissism or arrogance or entitlement, you know, as a, a little bit of spice on top. Let's, uh, let's throw that in. I don't know if that answered the question. No, it does. It's big... But I love talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is that there's many times where Nowadays, because a lot of the stuff that we're reading is either audiobooks or ebooks, we're not throwing it across the room like we would a paperback when it's like, just talk to each other, damn it. When a problem could have easily have been solved if they just communicated in misunderstanding, and, you know, she took something the wrong way or she thought she saw him when it's the lighting and everything. So to have that conflict where all you really want to do is just say, if you would have just talked, you know. Yeah, but let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Do people do that? You know, when we watch stories or when we watch movies or we read books, it's easy to say that because we're on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But when we're in, when we're in the storm, <laughs> do we do that? Do we take the time to think critically? No, we emotionally this? react first. Exactly. <laughs> we're emotionally charged when we react, right? Because we're human. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do when we're not involved. It's hard to do when it affects you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you can throw the book across the, the room and say, God, you know, these two idiots, they should just, they love each other. They should just talk. Well, yeah, it's a great idea. You're right. So why does it keep happening? <laughs> why does it keep happening in stories? Why does it keep happening to us? So why does it keep happening to us to the point where we experience it, to the point where we want to write about it mm-hmm. or dramatize it so that we can go watch it to understand that we know how that feels because we've been through that to the point where we live it again. It's like a cycle, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's it it is it is connected to us. It is the dynamic, right? Mhm. Because we are not just information, we are human beings and we have feelings and those feelings color what's happening and how we interpret that, right? And it's not easy for anybody. I mean, I don't care how how experienced you are. You could be wise. 
and you're still challenged, right? Sure, you get better at handling it, but you can't tell somebody like, you know, somebody broke your heart or somebody um, lets you down, get over it, right? That's inhuman. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work, you know, so yeah, we're all mm -hmm. here. See, it's an, it's a whole, you know, life is a big experiment, right? So we're all just, we're just uh, having the human experience and, you know, hopefully we leave and, and we, we, we had fun and we made it worthwhile. So there's no manual. There's no, no manual. So let's see what happens. Sure. I mean, you know, everything else, everything else comes like, you know, you buy furniture, there's, you know, a little instruction manual on how, how to assemble it. If you uh, read you it, <laughs> that's the other thing too, is that even if some, even if some folks got advice, they might not even, Listen, yeah. might not even take that. So, yeah. Uh, the information's out there on how to make things better, but whether you challenge yourself to look at that, whether you want to be honest with yourself, that's up to you. You know, mm -hmm. no one can make that decision for you. So, yeah. So since you've been doing this now for about six years plus, um, the thing that romance is definitely known for is the steamy romance and the steamy scenes and the sex scenes. And obviously, depending on the genre, there's a variety of exactly how steamy some of these things can be. Have you found yourself to be uncomfortable when narrating them? Or are you comfortable? No. Or <laughs> <laughs> I just catch you the fuck off. I was like, no. yeah, <laughs> None. no, <laughs> no, yep. no, no, mm -hmm. I say it proudly. Yeah. I have no shame. No shame. That's good. None. Yeah. And I'm not doing that for effect. Mm -hmm. I mean it. There is not one sliver. I refuse to feel ashamed about anything that, well, I don't think anybody should partake in anything they feel ashamed or they could feel mm -hmm. shame, you know, with. But I certainly don't. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Have you always been like that? No. No. <laughs> I was shy when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was shy until um when I was a boy, I just um I spent the majority of my time in my bedroom drawing and my 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 dad would complain all the time. He'd say, "He needs to go outside and play." You know, like a normal kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would stay in my room all day during the day when the sun was out and I would draw for hours, read comics, draw, read stories. You know, I was, you know, I was in a whole nother world. So I spent a great deal of time by myself as a kid. And I felt, I found, and I still find great pleasure being alone mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, having that time to myself because I, I like, that portion of the day, which luckily is most of my day um, and has been for a long time where I get to, it's, it's Marcio's playtime. I get to come up with whatever I want and there's no one there to distract me. I still love that. So, but up until I was like 19, I was pretty shy. Yeah. I didn't talk a lot. I, I only talked to you if you were a friend and then I wouldn't shut up. So mm. everybody wouldn't talk to you. If you were one of my five friends, man, you can get me to shut up. <laughs> so very shy, right? Right. 
those are all the symptoms of a very of, of an introvert because I actually am an introvert, <laughs> which probably would shock people. Well, you have yeah. to understand. Yeah, I mean, you can be born an introvert or an extrovert, and there's variations of that. But you also have to understand that a person who is an introvert can learn to be social. Yeah. So I am most definitely an introvert with the ability and skill set of an extrovert. Because you couldn't do what I do, you know, if you were a mime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. A lot of people think that I'm an extrovert. I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm an introvert with uh, extrovert tendencies when I have to be. Other than that, if I, if I have to people, uh, okay, I mentally prepare mm. myself. And then once I've peopled, I need to shut down. <laughs> I'm done. Well, I can, actually, I can actually hear it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can cut this part out if you want to, but <clears throat> yeah, I can hear it when you talk. Mm -hmm. Because when you, I, I don't know if I should say it or not. Can I say it? You can always. Yeah. 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 When you speak, you put out what you want to say, but you are in the delivery, you're pulling back at the same time. Mm. So it is just enough for what you're saying to come out. But it is kind of uh, resist. There's resistance there. Mm -hmm. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the way that you communicate, which is yeah. okay because it just means that uh, you know you're shy like me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, the thing is also a lot of people don't pick up on that. That's the other thing. A lot of people just see what you're presenting and what you're putting out, and they don't see those little nuances well, or yeah. those little things and you're like okay <laughs> because people aren't listening yeah and the thing is is that uh they are listening to see which of the patterns that they already know you fall into mm -hmm. so that they can get to what they need to do next mm -hmm. right yeah so if you fall into this kind of archetype then i go okay Got it. But that's coming from assumption rather than attentive listening and being present. So for me, it's more like, uh, like the FBI, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like listening, you know, what's the micro expressions? What's the, you know, it's, it's pronunciation, enunciation, diction, clarity, tone, pace, color, hue, um, volume. It's, how a person expresses themselves. It's in person, it would be, um, you know, uh, their head position. Is it superior? Is it straight ahead? Is it, you know, kind of uh, inferior? Is it, um, what's the posture? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, are they leaving in? It's, it's behavior. Out? People call yeah. it body language, but it's it's behavior. Mm -hmm. It's an entire science, so, amazingly <clears throat> enough. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a voice will inform you because a voice, uh, I would say that a voice even tells you more because when you just have the phone or when you just have like some, you know, conference call, whatever, you can hear. Yeah, you, like, you talk to somebody and they're like, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, you don't sound okay. Well, how do you know that, right? You're not looking at them. Mm-hmm. How do you know, right? Because we're, we're attuned to that. 
And what happens, like you said, is most people don't pay attention. Mm -hmm. uh, you will get very far if you pay attention. And you will get even further if you pay attention, but convince people you're not paying as much attention as you are because you're busy talking. <laughs> <laughs> because also people believe that because you're talking a lot that you are not paying attention because most people can't multitask. Mm -hmm. So there are levels of, yeah, a frequency of, a, of communication and connection. And on that note of Marcio sharing with you all just how well he knows me, I think this is a great place to pause for the moment. Thank you guys for listening. As mentioned before, part two will air soon and you do not want to miss that as we dive deeper into some very unique and interesting facts about Marcio, his past, and what comes up next for him. Make sure to follow both Marcio and us on social media to find out when that next episode will air. You can find the information on what we have discussed on today's episode on the podcast post over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. Until next time, happy listenings. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Line Black-Peterson, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Nancy Billows. The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. <laughs>